Howdy, everybody. Welcome back to Forbidden Cinema. Hello. Hey, I'm Zach. I'm Jenny. And this week we are going deeper on Madonna's Truth or Dare. Sounds scandalous. <laughs> we were just checking some levels and uh, it was a lot of fun. Like, it's a Friday night. Woo, woo, Friday, Friday, <laughs> gotta get down on... But, like, no... Friday just basically means I'm working tomorrow morning and Jenny's teaching tomorrow and then I have to run immediately immediately from work to uh, Pure Bar Date Night. Yeah, I, you say that as if I'm forcing you to do it, but you love it. You love being like the best husband at, at Date Night Bar. Yes, 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 yes. But two of your sisters are coming with two brothers-in-law that are way more athletic than me. So I'm going to have to trust that my Pure Bar experience <laughs> carries me over natural athletic talent. They're not going to be able to hang. Okay. Ethan has some experience. He's taken some classes before. Okay. Not, oh, well, not, I'm screwed. Not Pure Bar. Okay. He's taken bar before, but... I'm screwed. No, 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 no. I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be the fat guy choking and puking in the corner. You will not be. You'll have the flattest back. <laughs> pulse, pulse, pulse. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. If you are not taking a pure bar class, get out and take one. But if you haven't, this is probably really boring. Sorry, guys. So, Madonna's Truth or Dare? Yes, I love every second of it. <laughs> I love this movie so much. I, I don't feel like I should have. I don't know. I mean, it's a documentary, which is always fun. You mm. never know. I mean, because you never, I mean, it's supposed to be honest, but it, it has its own lens that it's going through. But it was fun. It was fun in black and white. It was fun to see. I mean, if you guys have been checking out social media, you know, definitely highlighting Kevin Costner's mullet. <laughs> and, you know, just how fabulous so neat. is. It's neat. It's neat. I feel like he has uh, retroactively said that he was portrayed uh, not as he would like to have been. Well, he's the one who has the mullet. <laughs> so, me think thou dost protest too much. Okay, so um, I just realized- I've never seen him wear a mullet in a movie, is I all I was going to say. <laughs> I haven't queued up a couple of things that I was planning on queuing up, so at some point I'm going to queue those up, and uh, through the magic of editing, those will eventually show back up. <laughs> is, 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 is Mr. DNA going to show up? <laughs> Mr. DNA... Do you want Mr. DNA to show up? Oh, don't be gross. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean I'm it to be that. so That's... sorry to everyone. That's way grosser than I thought it would be. <laughs> I never thought of Mr. DNA as a thing that happens when a man and a woman really love each other. <laughs> oh, man. That's going to make Jurassic World. We're going to see that, right? Probably. Oh, that's going to make that weird. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's not retroactively weird. It's only weird for the new movie that you're going to see. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if we go back to Universal Studios. Yeah. We'll just go early enough to like shoot through the line and don't have to sit through the Mr. DNA stuff. Deal. Okay. <laughs> yeah, get a fast pass and stay on, uh, stay on campus if you're going to Universal. You can get to Velocicoaster, get that out the way like in like three minutes. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's it's a it's a wild ride. I have learned that I've 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 tested. I'm a good sport. My body does not appreciate roller coasters anymore <laughs> in any capacity. I I I thought w there were some that were still okay, but I just kept thinking about how much life insurance I had. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've reached reached that point. Reached that I mean, level. if I get beheaded at a roller coaster ride, your next husband is going to be so happy for how hard I've worked in life. I'm rolling my eyes. <laughs> There's so many eye rolls in this podcast, and none of you it. guys can see them. Sorry. <laughs> I'm really good at them. I'm pretty sure our first outtake ever is Jenny talking about her rolling her eyes. Like, can they hear me rolling my eyes? <laughs> okay. Sorry. The you, first, just, you just gave me a voice. The first time I ever gave you a voice. Do you remember that? Um, I think so. And you just said, is that what you're going with for your <laughs> voice of me? <laughs> I think carefully. <laughs> I, it's been 15 years since I've done you as a voice because of that moment. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. 
So smooth transition. Right. Blonde cool. ambition tour. Yes. <laughs> Express yourself. So there were five segments to this tour. Okay. There was the Metropolis segment, very German expressionism. The second was the religious section. That was all of the like a prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Third, Dick Tracy. Oh, we didn't really see any of that. It's all a little bit like, you know, dancers in trench coats. Oh, okay. Okay. And then uh, fourth was Art Deco and fifth was the Encore section. Okay. I feel like all those hold up except for Dick Tracy. We kind of t- we hit on this in our Dick Tracy episode. That Dick Tracy really didn't make it into cultural milieu. No, it really didn't. It it everybody tried really hard, and it's fun. And you know, everybody everybody sat through hours and hours of makeup. I mean, everyone was so invested. They they had to push so hard. I mean, I bet on the wrong horse on that one. I went full <laughs> in on Dick Tracy. <laughs> but you can. You were a kid. Like you couldn't. You just you can decide to be that kid trick-or-treating and Dick Tracy and everybody's like, oh, that's cute. All the parents know what it is. All the kids are like, what? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I feel like this tour is basically like the world in 1991. Like, oh, yeah. Like, that was a thing. I guess so. Like, oh, that's right. That's her boyfriend. Right. I feel like if you had done Metropolis, Religious, Batman, Art Deco, and Encore, everybody today would be like, I get it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, Yeah, Dick Tracy's a little... (laughs) Yeah, I think it's totally evident that that Batman won that battle. Yes. Um, did you know that the, all the costumes were done by Jean-Paul Gaultier? No, I didn't. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, so I get he created the comb bra. This is the origin ah, of the comb bra. Ah, okay. And the little ponytail thing. This is where that came from. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know he was so, – y'all, I don't know if he said it in the last one. He was so sad that was a phony pony. <laughs> But I guess Jean-Paul Gaultier was selling these at the stadium and everybody was wearing them. Pony ponies? Yes. He was like hawking them like a... Well, like they were, they were at the the merch tent or whatever. I just really want to envision him like a cotton candy vendor just like just, walking just through... Jean-Paul with, Gaultier in the parking lot like, with I got pony ponies in my trunk. You know? <laughs> that is... Awesome. I have no idea what Jean-Paul Gaultier sounds like. Probably not like that. He's probably, like, I got phony ponies on my truck. Even if he naturally sounds like that, he doesn't sound like that <laughs> in public. <laughs> um, this was originally going to be the like a prayer tour. Mm. And I guess the big Pepsi sponsorship kind of fell out. And I guess Pepsi retained some ownership to like a prayer and Moon walked away from it. And so they had to change the name. Interesting that they get own still own some. Well, they bought some- like like hey, we're in for the like a prayer tour or whatever, and they're like, oh wait a minute, like we do not want our name associated with this. So like- I'm sorry, did they forget who Madonna was? I mean, Madonna was not a secret, or if anything, Madonna is authentic. She may be putting on a little bit of a show in this about. I mean. Same, like cleaning up glasses. I'm sorry, Madonna doesn't clean shit up. <laughs> but she is going to push the envelope, and that has never not been a thing. Did you see that two days ago, Madonna on social media, we should probably link to that, posted about fascist Toronto. <laughs> Did she? Yes. I mean, I started following her, and there's been a lot of weird firework photos. <laughs> no, I didn't see that. I have to go find it. Yeah, so Madonna is talking about this right still now. Still talking about yes. it. She's still butt hurt <laughs> about fascist Toronto. Okay. Uh, Pope John Paul II said that this is one of the most satanic shows in the history of humanity. That's extreme. <laughs> there are so many horrible things. It's like Catholic Church, we were fine with slavery, fine with imperialism, like, you know, mass murder. That's cool as long as it's not Catholics, but like, Madonna touching herself and kind of thinking that women have pleasure and, like, that's evil. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? We'll get there. Okay. (laughs) Um, So I really tried, guys. Print, print, print. You know I love print. Yes. You know what, though? Truth or Dare is the best record of this stuff that was happening at the time. That makes sense. That being said, it is a very point of view record. There, There is not a lot of journalism about what happened on this tour. No, 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 no. But that makes sense that she would want the full 
like everything that was going to be out would be happening um, it, where she controlled the narrative, where she controlled the release of it. That makes sense. Yeah, but I, I looked up, I mean, Toronto Sun, several Toronto newspapers, they do not have archives from this time online. So I've tried. I mean, we had a little bit of the the, the breaking news <laughs> happening, but, I, but I've definitely tried to find articles from this time, and it just it seems like they don't exist. Hmm. It seems like really this was a non-issue in Toronto at the time. I actually did find on the 25th anniversary a interview with the kind of the the head Mountie that was there, uh, Frank Bergen, <laughs> uh, mustachioed <laughs> yes. wonder, and, uh, basically saying that. It was sort of just his job to go and keep the peace, like make sure there's not a riot and try to get her to stop, but don't let there be a riot. I don't think anybody buying tickets to the show would, were going to cause a riot because of no, the No, but obscenity. I think if he shut the show down. Oh, well, yeah. So it's like, don't shut the show down. Or like walked really up on stage and arrested her in the middle of the show. But yeah, his uh, his comment was, we were portrayed as being real knobs, if you will. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that British is coming out. <laughs> that's Canadian knobs. I, off, that's British. Colin has a big knob. We need to watch Strange Brew then because, yeah, knob is very Canadian. Sorry. I'm not warmed <laughs> up, guys. But he did not know he was in the documentary until one of his neighbors was calling oh to him. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, hey, it's like in that Madonna thing, eh? <laughs> you didn't have to sign a release. <laughs> I think it's it's news or or it's documentary. I, I, it's there's probably signs everywhere. Probably, I, babe. I have filmed in public before. I have very minimal filmmaking experience, but I have sat there with two sheets of poster board strapped together, like a the end is nigh thing on me, saying like, if you come near me, you can set to being videotaped. <laughs> is that? While you were flipping your hair, like very much so, yes. <laughs> so Zach used to have really, really, really long hair, but also would wear it back in a ponytail. But that would not prevent him from ghost flipping his <laughs> hair. <laughs> there is documentary film footage of me doing that. Yes, I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> it's on VHS and DV8. So if anybody has a VCR or a DV8 player, cool. you can see it. Hit I'll us up. Yeah. I'll mail, I'll mail you the footage if you could maybe like digitize it for me. Yeah, it'd be cool. <laughs> we'll send you a bottle of Ariel Cabernet. <laughs> Two more exploded. <laughs> I wrote in listening to this, and I don't remember why I listened to it, but I think I interrupted you. You were talking about Starwood. And I said, Jenny Starwood fire story. Oh, yeah. Because we were talking about um, like the lighter situation and like lighters and Zippos and it just bringing something different than um, cell phone lights where, you know, everybody's feeling the vibe, the little sway back and forth with the lights, which I mean, we were talking about here. To me, it seemed very orchestrated because it made total sense for her to be flames in the audience and in a very like Catholic prayer type of scene. But yeah, I was at Starwood. I've been thinking about it. I cannot remember what show it was. So Starwood was an outdoor amphitheater that we had. Um, And I was, we were out in the lawn. They had lawn seats when you were not, you know, paying for for seat seats and of course as we teenagers and such the first time i ever went to star boy star star wood i saw the newsboys and <laughs> dc talk and we were we had seats oh we had seats and it was raining and everybody had like just found a couple pieces of cardboard and were sliding down the mud in the lawn seats and i wanted to go so bad i must have been 13 and my mother was not having it. Your mom was there? She took us. I can't imagine your mom in the lawn, but... She wasn't in the lawn. She had a seat. Oh, that's right. You guys had seats. And yes. so you're watching people in the lawn. We were watching people fun. in the lawn. I wanted to be a lawn person. <laughs> I mean, did you know, like, at that Cure concert that we talked about, about where we basically ignited our romance, you were a lawn person, but I had a seat. You had a seat? I did have a seat. I had no idea But you I hung out seat. with you on the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> guys that was like the last year this venue was a thing nashville was not cool 
back no, then. No, Every – it was – they had a big thing where, like, you could go on one day. You had to stand in a bit of a line, but you could get $10 lawn seats to any concert for the entire summer. And this was 2002, 2003, 2004. And, yeah, I mean, $10 seats, so, I mean, you could see – Ozzy Osbourne, Demi Bourgier, The Cradle of Filth, Lamb of God, Hate Breed, Atreyu for ten bucks. Saw Poison for ten bucks. Poison and Cinderella, I think. You got to see Poison. $10. Yeah, like all the people that spent three hundred dollars to see Poison in Nashville last week. Uh, sorry, Brett's in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was at a show on the lawn. Not Dave Matthews. Other person, John Mayer. John Mayer. Okay. John Mayer. I know it wasn't John Mayer. Because I was farther back. I can, like, visualize where I was. But it was somewhere between seeing New Kids on the Block and seeing John Mayer. Somewhere in the timeline. <laughs> but, I mean, I had my Cure tickets because we were at the Weezer concert that I paid $10 for. Uh-huh. And they were just handing out tickets to see Poison just at the door. Just like, anybody want, like, the guy had, like, like making it rain Poison tickets. And then at Poison, <laughs> like, because nobody was, like, we have to sell some beer or something. Like, nobody's coming to these shows. And, yeah, they were just, like, at the Poison show, like, handing out cure tickets. It was serendipity. But some dude thought he was going to be cool. So people had, like, I feel like church fans. And I don't know, if, if y'all aren't in the South, I don't even know if you know what a church fan is. But basically, it's hot here. And... You know, back in the day, there was an air conditioning, so there was just stick glued to a. It's big a popsicle stick and some cardboard, basically. And you're just fanning yourself, or some some uh, construction. What's that? Construction paper. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be a little bit thicker. But I feel like there were church fans. Someone had a church fan, and someone lit a church fan on fire and was waving it over their head. Oh, you know, man. like, and then a security guard flew horizontally. <laughs> out of nowhere and tackled this guy and like he, he's like a bro like a total bro who's probably never really been in any kind of trouble ever and he's like he's like he's freaking out now because he's in trouble and he's like been roll they're rolling around on the ground <laughs> and he's being hauled off he's being, so it probably was some sort of christian show if it's a church fan honestly but uh yeah that's like one of my fire uh Let's like light up, give the vibe kind of moments um, on the lawn. We're at open air, but oh, yeah, I mean I'll that never security guard came out of nowhere. He was living for that moment. He like hand to ear, walkie talkie, you know, breaker breaker. Like I see it, <laughs> I got it, on it. I'm living for this moment. Yes, exactly. He was like he's in waiting, waiting for someone to do that. He's like, I got it, I got it. He's like, no, we'll just, it's fine, it's fine. We'll just stamp it out. Like, no, 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 no. And he like just tackles his throat to the ground. (laughs) It was amazing. I'll never forget camping at a concert festival I used to go to in Illinois. And we just happened to be camping next to the guys that did security. Like, oh, we have like a ton of backstage passes. Like, you know, the, the, the biggest ones of you can do security. The rest of you just come hang out with us backstage. Oh man, just getting to hang out with so many cool people backstage. But then at the MXPX concert, some guy jumped up and got past all the real security guards, and Uncle Kenny was like the old, the last line of defense, <laughs> and just center stage. Uncle Kenny grabs the guy just barely by the ankles, and the guy just like <laughs> face plants. Like that's not what we want to do with security. That's not like. <laughs> Like we were not wanting to like have people center stage unconscious, bleeding from the mouth and nose. Like, right. Like, um, not a good look. Not a good look. <laughs> oh, Uncle Kenny. <laughs> oh, man. I'll never forget watching probably almost real time the footage of the Great White Show in somewhere in the Northeast. Are you familiar with the, the nightclub fire? Oh, yes, yes. And and thinking, like, I've seen Great White on a stage and seen them do pyrotechnics before at a 350-seat venue underground with no emergency exits. I've seen a band there three weeks before the Electric Hellfire Club was there and set off pyrotechnics, and one of them fell over and lit the stage on fire, and they just went and stamped it out. But, man, that... that such a visceral memory of the first time I saw that that footage uh, on the news and yeah, I mean, what it's we just, what could have been what could have been yeah, 
lot of a lot of that stuff. I feel like children of the eighties and nineties, we we feel that a lot. Like we're so <laughs> fucking stupid. <laughs> so much dumb shit. And it's like I not that I think that kids are any smarter now, but like I don't know. They felt like just let's try this. <laughs> let's see what happens. And there wasn't just people paying attention. I mean, we'll probably go into – we can go into this in maybe a supplement or something. But we grew up in a town hunted by a spree killer. Oh, wow. Is I this, mean, not to get, like, Forbidden yeah. Cinema True Crime edition, but we, we know people that were – we had our own Summer of Sam. We know people that were murdered by a spree killer who we hunted do. our hometown. We do. And, and it's, it's something that, like, I've actually – you know, when my favorite murder first came out – and that was really kind of more when they were asking for hometown. I mean, they weren't asking for like fun, silly ones. They were asking for like what impacted you. And it has. Um, and I've kind of sat down and started to type it out a couple of times. But there are other people that are part of a story that like I don't feel like it's entirely my story to tell. And I yeah. feel like I need to get there okay before I did. And just back and forth and now now it almost would seem like a major major bummer because a lot of what they have in their hometowns are just like crazy shit you found in walls like <laughs> badass grandma stories sinkholes like which is fine it's great it's probably a good like balance um but for, it, it it explains some of who we are and who we came to be oh i mean it's yeah i mean i vividly remember except for that i i don't like i've I've gone back and i've like looked at the dates and like i have my own own version of like they don't line up just right like i know when things happened and i know where i feel like i was and other people were and like i can't rectify it like the the, the timeline but you know what the great part about life before social media was you got to remember things the way you remembered them not the way they happened I guess so, but I remember them, like, I know I was off from school one day, there was like an in-service day, and I remember driving past and seeing caution tape, and I remember going to a mall that, why would I be driving that direction if I went to that mall, and I remember someone, you know, who's kind of like a semi-local celebrity who I went to high school with, and I'm not going to say her name because I haven't okayed telling the story with her, but her shouting at me from like stores, like many, many stores, like seeing me across this empty mall on a Monday and just saying that um, that someone was dead. Like just saying it, like, you know, just matter-of-factly. Like that's how she was processing with it, like that I had passed the McDonald's with the, cro- the crime scene tape that day too. But it doesn't work. The directions don't work. The time, like I can't figure it out. I still can't figure it out. But like... I have all those like visceral memories about it. So yeah, we might need to. I don't know. We have we have stories to tell about that, but we, I don't. Not, sorry if I brought that up out of the. No, blue. I, no, I don't I mean, know how to tell those stories. It's it's, it's a weird thing to tell because it's it feels. It's not really my story. I'm not important in the story, but it, I'm not important in the story either. In fact, I you mean, don't want to be like that. I was just listening to a podcast today about it, like people. In making themselves the most important person no. in this person's life, and that, that's a very normal psychological thing to do. It it it, it is to make it relevant. Like, how do you fit in, and how how is it relevant to your life? And but what's so crazy about that story? I mean, it's it was visceral. You know, someone was hunting teenagers that worked at fast food restaurants, and you know, you know a ton of people who do, but like. All the there were probably five people from my life from different areas of my life that it connected you know, every everybody it, you it connected knew. everyone. I mean, people that were actually there and lost their lives, and people that were supposed to be there that night, and for whatever reason they weren't, and just even going to the McDon- that McDonald's going forward, and there being giant floodlights. Jillian, they put in floodlights. <laughs> They put in giant fucking floodlights. Um, and yeah, I mean, just like that changed that forever. You know, it would just, it was never, you, you knew the, the, the Captain D's where that happened is no longer there. They, they, they bulldozed it, you know? So it was such a community thing. I remember when 
I, I kind of thought that, you know, this person was caught eventually. And I really kind of thought he was put to death. He was, I think he was sentenced to death. But he died of pneumonia in, pri- in, in prison. And it, it's so unsatisfying. And I'm not, a, I, 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 you know, now, now in my, I, I don't even want to say 40. So I'm 41. It's not 40s. <laughs> But I have a lot of different feelings about the death penalty and what I feel about it. But I remember, like, he died on Thanksgiving, a high school, and you know, I remember school. thinking, like, I have really difficult feelings about the death penalty. But I, I, I remember my gone. high school statistics teacher, like, him celebrating, like, because I mean, him, you know, celebrating, but then also like being like so, like, just moved by, like, you know. The, the loss of this life that we had in, in our high school. We didn't have a big high school. And that year, we lost three students, all from various things, one from crime and two from just tra- from tragedies. But I don't know that we, you know, that, that was not replicated. That year was isolated in, in those tragedies. I chaperoned a youth group trip to the uh, Tennessee state uh, mental health facility and just they just went going there to visit people who were impatient in the mental health facility and he was there and i guess you know left jail to go there for watch under something you know and he was but of course one of the, like the seventh grade students was just making faces at him <laughs> i know exactly <laughs> and, what you're talking about exactly I, and yeah. yeah what a what, what a surreal moment what a surreal moment so anyway, <laughs> yeah, we've taken a big turn. Um, this may all get edited out. I don't know. Uh, hi, Friday. <laughs> truth, Madonna, truth or dare? Madonna, Madonna. So speaking of Rebecca's, uh, Rebecca Dana had a she uh, had a comment that just I, I was trying to explain this when I was talking about like Madonna wearing the corset over the suit. And how much I love that weird power dynamic. Uh But I I just couldn't express express myself. (laughs) (laughs) She said that the uh, corset over menswear soft becomes hard. Curvy becomes phallic. The engine of maternity transforms into a weapon. It's a Freudian nightmare. I love it. I absolutely love that statement. Freudian nightmare. So the Blonde Ambition Tour, 57 dates held. And That's we had two dates in Italy canceled and a couple of postponements for her laryngitis. 76.3 million in 48 hours of ticket sales. Wow. That is huge. That makes it one of the biggest concerts of all time. When you take that into account, plus this movie, it's about 200 million in modern dollars made off this tour get it girl that's seriously seriously um so oliver croons gabriel Trupin, and kevin stee three of the backup dancers mm-hmm. actually sued her for misrepresentation oh in this in this yes how so i mean i guess they felt they were not portrayed as who they really were like I, were they the mean boys well the two of the mean boys and um and then ollie oh oliver okay yeah yeah doesn't appear that the the suit went very far unfortunately probably wouldn't yeah i mean yeah so yeah i think oliver and gabriel are still sort of professional dancers and uh, kevin is one of the original cast of naked boys singing <laughs> okay which i think is still running in vegas oh okay or, or, or off broadway maybe it, it's somewhere we've been and it, it's it's still running uh, they actually released a 2016 documentary called Documentary. Like, documentary. You, <laughs> <laughs> you British all, all of a sudden. Called Strike a Pose about the making of this tour, which I'm curious okay. to look into. I haven't been able to locate it. It played some some circuits, some festivals, uh, Toronto International Film Festival, but I haven't actually been able to locate a copy of it. <laughs> Our cat is out. Uh, one of the backup dancers, Gabriel Troopin. He was one of the three mean boys. Okay. Ah, tragic, tragic story. I mean, we saw the uh, the pride parade. We saw the the moment of silence for AIDS. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually passed away from AIDS in 1995. Oh, so, so he not- probably knew 
when this was being filmed. And that's are you familiar? I mean, I'm we've we've discussed. I'm a healthcare professional. I I do a lot of this in in my in my day job. That you know, 1995 to 96 was kind of when HIV went from this is a disease first identified in 1981. So like we had no idea this disease even existed. And in 1995, if you were diagnosed with it, it was pretty much death sentence, mm-hmm. six to eight years or so, and that that's it. And in 1996, it became something less dangerous than diabetes. That's amazing. I, I mean, I, I knew it was much. It was manageable, and it, you don't definitely don't hear. You know, I, I've always done the distinction of talking about HIV versus talking about AIDS, but less dangerous than diabetes i i've never heard it said that way the 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 life expectancy of a 20 year old diagnosed with type 2 diabetes is less than that of someone diagnosed with hiv that's how much progress we've managed to make wow so every time i listen to zach de la roca and his uh whatever like actually dude that's that's one you got wrong in in Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> like you got a lot of conspiracy theories. That's one you sort of got wrong. Um, we also, I mean, that that's just such a just a visceral moment there. You know the because they had the big thing about Keith Haring. That was that year right. he had just passed away when they had the moment of silence and just oh man, just knowing Gabriel, knowing. That feel, oh. Knowing he was dying, and if he lived another year, he'd still be alive. That's that's just heartbreaking. It is. Um, we talked a bit about Sean Penn, kind yeah. of the love of her life, mm-hmm. and I said that I wasn't sure how problematic his assault stuff was. Right. Uh, he he was accused of four years of systematic abuse against her. Against by her. her. By yeah. her. Yeah. And uh, in 2015, she kind of said that she doesn't have any idea how these rumors started. And uh, that that's tough. That's tough. When I, I, I don't really know how to process all of that. When you have somebody who has accused someone of, of domestic violence and then years later says, oh, like, no, of course that didn't happen. I don't know why anybody would think that. Yeah, that's tough. I mean... You can't, that's one of those things, domestic violence is so tricky because you've got all those layers of, of people and, you know, emotions and feelings and, you know, her, you know, at this point, she, he had already been. Oh, he'd been arrested many times for violence against press, paparazzi. We, we didn't know the word paparazzi. We didn't know the word paparazzi no, at the time. No, no, not, violence not against the, the press. Time. Media, press, yeah. But like at this time, she probably would have already have. At this time, because they weren't together anymore. No, no, they, they split up in 89. Right. So, and she's still talking about this him being the, the love of her life. This is months after. That's that's a lot. There's, there, you know, when people say, like, you should just leave and get out, there's not just only the fact that it's the most dangerous time for women during that time of, like, when they do try to leave, a lot of times that's when they're killed, but also... There's so many things wrapped up in that that it it's not that easy. So what do you know about him and Robin Wright Penn? I mean, they were married. That's all I really know. They were together for about five years, starting like right after he and Madonna split up. Mm-hmm. Had uh, two children, and then had about a five minute or five month split up when he was dating Jewel. Dating Jewel. Yes, in 1995. Jewel seems like the cross between Robin Wright and Madonna, actually. <laughs> she's the cross between Jenny from Forrest Gump and Madonna, okay? She's not the cross between Robin Wright. She has a look. But that, I don't know. That, that actually puts an apocryphal story I have of a sort of surrogate big brother of mine who suggested he made out with Jewel after a concert and had a album of hers, like, autographed pre-major label release with drawings all over it and like i'll never forget the night we had together and poems and whatnot written all over it that he then gave to a girl who was problematically young and she gave to a uh, ucd place and <laughs> i went the next day to said ucd place to try to buy the thing and the owner was like i'm keeping that 
Snooze, you lose. Oh, I tried to get it from her, but she was like, I want this god for my life. I don't want anybody to have it that I know. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and then he, after that five-month courtship with Jewel, back mar- that's the first time he married Robin Wright. The first time? The first time, yeah. And then, yeah, they uh, were married for 15 years, filed for divorce like six times over those 15 years, and and hung out for about 15 years together. That sounds fun. (laughs) Guys, can we have everybody pull up a chair? Everybody take off your shoes, okay? Let's sit down for a minute. Marriage isn't easy, but it's not that hard. It's it's a choice every single day. You choose every single day. And I don't mean that it's a tough choice every single day. But, it, I mean, there are marriages that are awful and there are mar- things that are terrible in marriages. And I'm we're not talking about that. We're talking about... <laughs> We're do talking we, about the Bridget Jones Mark Darcy marriage. <laughs> like, 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 let, let's let's have Bridget Jones Mark Darcy marriages, okay? Everybody's out there like, oh, like he beats me if I don't bring home enough money prostituting. Like he doesn't really listen to me as much as I'd like to be listened to. Right, right, right. Yeah. So those of you who don't know, he's talking about Bridget Jones being in a Thai prison <laughs> and like trying to like you know share stories with ladies in Thai prison. Uh, I was like, oh. I really don't have it so bad. Um, Be excellent to each other. Seriously. Like, if you're being terrible to the person you're with, fuck off. And if you're not being terrible and the person's not being terrible, like, get over yourself. If you're bored because, like, there's not enough drama in your life, that's on you. If you're bored, get the Adventure Challenge Couples Edition. And if you're really bored, get the Adventure Challenge In Bed Edition. I mean, I guarantee you the drama that you're going to start will cause you to hit a camel and be at a body cast and become addicted to opioids. <laughs> We've told that story, haven't I we? I feel like we have, but that's a swinging story. I know people, like, they were bored. They got together very young and I guess felt like, you know, they needed to explore a little bit more and they started swinging. And then one of them ended up, like, living in basically like a one-room shack with children from one and and the other and the other one went on a tirade and accidentally hit a camel from a petting zoo and got it a bad poor wreck camel huh that's a poor camel i know the only person i feel sorry, sorry for, for in this, this whole entire thing story is the, is the camel. camel yes <laughs> everyone else got exactly what they deserve so so i just thought like kind of closing on madonna i mean we have not a lot from Sean Penn on her, but you know we, we've kind of done Warren Beatty on you know, kind of his thoughts on Madonna. I'll, I'll I'll isolate that and play that. Sorry, I didn't come up with it, so I can't. I get posted a screenshot of it today. Okay, and then we have um, Guy Ritchie and his yes, you know, opening of his BMW film, The Higher Star, starring our favorite Clive Warren. <laughs> right. The first thing you notice physically about this lady is her eyes. Bright blue eyes. It's rare to actually see those eyes because they're usually covered up, but when you do, it's worth it. The next thing you notice is her hands. Strong, powerful, yet feminine hands. But the real heart stopper that this woman has in her galaxy of talents is her voice. A billion-dollar voice. <coughs> She's a legend in her lifetime. She's achieved giddy heights few have equaled. She's unrivaled in her world. And she's a complete cunt. You're probably gonna want to edit. Like, can you actually put the audio of that in? I'll, I'll make. Yeah, I'll yeah. get the audio in there. It's perfect. I mean, guys, stop what you're doing. We'll wait for you. Google the higher star guy Ritchie and watch that video. It is absolutely fantastic. The soundtrack is my favorite karaoke song <laughs> because it is song two by Blur. 
if you're listening to this and you don't know what song two by blur is you are like every karaoke dj i have ever given that on a little slip of paper to they all look at me really confused like here's zach with song two by blur i have no idea what we're talking about like and everybody's like immediately like i know that song it's the woohoo song <laughs> right like it's not called woohoo <laughs> i feel like that your contribution to karaoke is way better than mine i think that the contribution to karaoke is it's relative but in the right room blur song two oh no it can get the house jumping it kills and that's that's honestly all that's important <laughs> you don't need to have a good voice you just need to sell it and if you have a good voice, then you need to recognize you have a good voice. You need to pick something that people are going to like and not some weird, weird backtrack that only you know and you feel like really highlights, you know, what you're able to do. Your George Jones deep cuts suck karaoke. Boring. So boring. <laughs> so brilliant segue. Antonio Banderas. Yes. <laughs> Man, I am so good at segueing. Cool. <laughs> I just realized listening to a few of these, like, you really just like, so complete change of subject. <laughs> so now I'm making deft, deft, not daft. I'm making deft segues. They both could apply, potentially. <laughs> does Antonio do to her what she does to her high school childhood best friend? Hey, call me. I'll call you. Sure, I'll call you. Yes, he does, but I don't think that it's the same thing. Meaning, she is way more powerful than he is at this time. Mm -hmm. He is an, you know, an underground indie star at best. Um, he's European, so there's that own gravitas that comes with that. He's faking a language barrier. I mean, whatever. He is married. Like he mm -hmm. may he may not care, she may not care, but like he's actually probably like trying to be cool about it, maybe a little bit at least honor it supposedly. Um, but no, the she has a like a longstanding relationship with this woman. Now this woman may have been an abuser. I mean, if we like if we're talking about Madonna and her like her childhood friend who was older who may have introduced her to sex like this is a whole like it's a it's super complicated i think that antonio banderas is being a dude and dudes do that and they don't call and madonna's way too powerful and important to care but she's still a woman and she cares because it's a guy that she likes and she thinks he's cute and is he called is he called like do you leave a message do you leave a message i don't know like, i mean she's just out of a five-year marriage she has a cute boy that she likes <laughs> right i mean she's just and she's been on this tour she's been working really hard she kind of would like a distraction uh we don't know what happened to war Beatty. uh he didn't show up for the car <laughs> i guess i don't know but there's a lot of speculation online that a lot of those calls that she's having with him he's he's not there he's been gone for weeks that she's just doing those for the camera she's just saving face so to speak yeah actually one of the most scathing reviews of the tour i saw it's, it's like you know top 10 rolling stone top 10 concert tours of all time it, it, it's kind of considered just one of the best things that's ever happened changed the way that pop tours work but uh new york times said she was lip syncing too much we didn't see those moments in the show i don't think I don't think we saw that in the show, but... It makes sense if you're dancing that hard. If I get it. I get it. And having seen a show of a rock legend recently that... Oh, um, Bon Jovi. Maybe I wouldn't I, have cared if he <laughs> lipstick. I think it would have gone better. Uh, All so this band had, was so good. The band was fantastic. The band was working so hard to try and make that work. Um People came to see what they came to see. And hey, he could shake his butt like it was he 1986. Was gorgeous. His teeth were fantastic. His, <laughs> his hair was great. His, his gray mane was fantastic. Um, he looked great, but something was going on, and I don't really know. And it made it surreal. It made me kind of think that a guy was having a broken brain. Like, <laughs> I mean, staring at it. Like, the music was going at one speed. He was singing at another speed, and it was a whole other thing. But so... I wouldn't have given two fucks if he was lip syncing. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't sing along. 
that it was part of the problem. Like when we were in like verse mode and he was just singing, you couldn't sing along. So, I mean, there's something to that of, of creating like a uniform show. Yes. So segueing to musicians. <laughs> Musician corner. We, we talked about Meredith Brooks. Yeah, bitch. I don't like that word. That's her song, though. I know. I know. Her first album with the band Sapphire, an all-female band from Eugene, Oregon, came out in 1976. Wait, what? How, yeah. how old was she when Bitch came out? 20 years older. <laughs> okay. So, cool. I mean, I get like that's a whole – I would imagine a – she was, I guess, maybe 38 or 40 when that song came out. An album with a group of ladies called Sapphire. In from 1976 Eugene, from Eugene, Eugene Oregon. Oregon. was a different vibe than <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> Sorry, I keep saying it. But that's the name of the song. Her first solo album, self-titled, 1986. Wow. She was doing the damn thing. And was a moderate success in Latin America. Huh. <laughs> Is she Latin? No, she's from Oregon. Okay. <laughs> they love them Oregonians. In 1987, she formed the band Graces with um, Charlotte Coffey of the Go-Go's, best known for writing We Got the Beat. Oh, wow. And uh, had a song, Lay Down Your Arms, that was a top 40 hit, which I've never no, heard. Never heard we'll of probably it. listen to that on Spotify if it exists after, as soon as we stop rolling. Right. <laughs> and we might... Play a couple bars of it on the outro instead of our regular outro. Yeah, 1998, Bitch came out. Two Grammy nominations. It seems weird to be nominated for a Grammy for a song called Bitch, but yeah. It's a great song. It's a fantastic song. I mean, her. I was 17 uh in 1998. It was my fucking jam. (laughs) But it was also like forbidden. Like, you know, listening it, because we do a radio edit. Right. Uh, it was 22 years after her first album came out. That happens. That is crazy. That's like some Robin Thicke stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Blurring the Edges was the name of the title of, the, of that album. That, that's, that's a great a title. That's a title. Yeah, went, went it is. many times platinum all over the platinum in U.S., platinum in Australia. It sold a million records in Australia. I didn't realize there was a million people in Australia. <laughs> and there'd be people in kangaroos <laughs> that year she opened for the rolling stones good for her not so good for her actually i guess oh, she okay. was pelted with garbage and trash and stones and stuff opening uh, in argentina someone hit her in the face with a rock and she had a black eye going on for day what? two and i guess day two they started throwing more trash so she took her argentina football jersey threw it on the ground spit on it flipped off the crowd and left and didn't go back on the tour wow what because because, because she's a lady that just happened to try to be on the same stage as the Rolling Stones. Go fuck all everybody. I mean, the, maligned women of history is really becoming the theme of our pod. It's supposed to be about dirty movies we wanted to watch as a kid. And we're talking about women's his, women's issues and maligned women of history. It's funny how that happens. It's Can funny we just how talk it, about more dirty movies? Well, don't the dirty movies talking about the dirty movies come from the oppression by basically the people who oppress a lot of women? Maybe. Damn it, babe. <laughs> You're ruining my childhood. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. In 1999, she had a song, Sin City, that was the theme for Snake Eyes, the movie with uh, Nicolas Cage, Ooh, which I uh, never saw. I didn't see either, but... <laughs> I think by that... By 99, I was done seeing just rando movies with Nicolas Cage. Or just rando movie with anybody. Got it. Potentially, if it was on Vanderbilt cable TV on a weekend that I happened to well, stay yeah. in town, I'd see it 72 times. But if not, yeah. I gotta seek it out. Yeah. Uh, 2002, she produced Jennifer Love Hewitt's album. Oh, okay. Sorry. I have a weird thing with Jennifer Love Hewitt. Like, I like friends. You in, like, watched that that show that she was in. I did like a that show, Ghost Whisperer. <laughs> That was all you did the first year we were married was watch that show and then like then you found Robin Big and you never looked back. I mean, yeah, we just needed something to binge. <laughs> I was a binger before binging was a thing. But yeah, like people, I feel like in high school, like I, I hated. Oh, I didn't hate. I don't know if you don't hate it anyway. But like I was annoyed by like all. You're a the, brunette, Jenny. I get it. But also annoyed by the, I know what you did last summer posters, because, like, everyone else is in, like, shadow, but her and her breasts are like, like, come on. 
you were in party of five and then you grew breast and like, okay, got it. Cool. But like, literally, I think I remember someone in high school being like, you should call her and like resolve your issues. <laughs> Apparently I like, <laughs> made it very public. I don't know. I don't care that much. I didn't think, but mm, apparently I mean, you're a brunette, Jennifer, and you have nice breasts. I'm... I mean, but yeah, like she got them after all of us. <laughs> Good job. She probably bought them. <laughs> in 2004, uh, Meredith Brooks composed Shine, which became the theme song for Dr. Phil. Oh, man. <laughs> She's uh, largely retired from making music. She works for Sony, and uh, she also is heavily involved in the Canadian Artist Against Racism. Good for her. She seems like a pretty great lady. I, I wonder, Meredith can we get Brooks. an interview with Meredith Brooks? I mean, it, Charlie Corsmo is my number one get, I think, but Meredith Brooks we can be up We just need to email him. We have his email address. We do, Yes. <laughs> I mean, we have to pretend to be really interested in political affairs. True, true. So I assumed we'd be about 20 minutes in at this point. So I started researching some really random things. But I'm surprised we've managed to go as long as we have on this little material. So good job, babe. I hope you guys enjoy it. And we're not just like just all over the place. But so uh, a big. Uh, I have just st- drank like a canned Moscow mule. Right. <laughs> It's not on Twitter. It's not on Instagram, but it is on Facebook. The uh, local guns and leather store got broke into today. Yeah, I know. It got broke into. You know, it's broke not, into. Yes, yes. Yes. By by a car. Yes. Somebody drove a truck. They the drove door. into it. I'm curious. I have not seen posted yet. What did they steal? I don't know. Did they steal guns? Did they steal leather? Or did they see a, steal a combo of the three? The two? Whatever. Crap. I don't know. Can I, can I, can I redo that? Okay, did they steal guns? Did they steal leather? Or some combination of the two? Wow! Bump, bump. <laughs> I'm going to put my sunglasses on, and we're going to figure it out. I don't know. You got different perps. I feel like if you have somebody that just came in and stole like $100,000 worth of leather goods, it's a different crowd than someone who came in and stole like a bunch of pistols. Very. I want so bad for like... 75 large hairy gay men to just go to guns and leather and just start asking for harnesses and ball gags and masks and that would be I, amazing I, I, because they would be is this some i'm bro- assuming some it's bro- cowboy leather and not like i'm assuming so it's leather. probably just like like holsters, holsters. <laughs> but yeah they're uh can we just get like nashville leather community i don't know where you are but you're needed right now <laughs> Like, can you show up where you're needed most? <laughs> is there is there a signal we could put in the sky? <laughs> we we live in a world this in this last two weeks we've lived in a world where guns have more rights than a woman's body. We need you, Nashville leather community, to find guns and leather and to make to just point out the ridiculousness that's happening in this world. They're in Greenbrier. <laughs> they have a big giant hole in their wall so it should be right. fine right exactly it shouldn't be that hard to get in nope it should be good like, watch out for the broken glass <laughs> like if, if, if you're just wearing a leather jumpsuit and no shoes like careful wear some flip flops yes <laughs> <laughs> like you're having to crawl because you're like in a gimp suit you know yeah like may- maybe give whoever's in the gimp suit crawling like a pass they they, they, they need to walk up Safety first. Yeah, like Safety no, no hands and knees here, you know, right. or, or really good gloves and knee pads. <laughs> so completely obvious segue, the uh, Tony Scott movie Domino was playing on TV today. Okay. We've watched that, I'm pretty sure. I saw it in the theater. I haven't seen it since. Uh I've seen part of it, so I had to have seen it with you. I must have like put it on and just left. Maybe, but I thought we watched the whole thing. No, I've I've not seen it since it was in the theater. Mm. But uh, the place they're raiding, it's a uh, Tony Scott movie about a real-life bounty hunter who was uh, Domino Harvey. She was a bounty hunter, former model, uh, daughter of somebody rich and famous in the publishing or film industry. I'm assuming his name was Harvey... I guess, but it feels like, I don't know. But uh, I just noticed, it's like flipping through, flipping through, flipping through, and like the place they're 
rating at the very beginning is the Chicken Ranch. What, not it, not it, the Chicken Ranch, but that that's the name of the place oh. they're raiding outside of Las Vegas is the Chicken Ranch. Oh, I'm man. sure it's supposed to be the Bunny Ranch, but right. Uh, but can you imagine? Come back with me to 2005. Okay. Okay. We're young. We're in love. We fell in love in a world where Kira Knightley and Mickey Rourke are really hot and doable. I know. That's you were concerned the other week that there was a world where what like cigarette ads and uh homes like mail order homes and like George Bush were all in the same newspaper. It's weird. The mail order homes is I think is the big piece. I the crossover of cigarette ads still happening while George Bush. Yeah. that. But mail order homes, the Sears and Roebuck <laughs> uh, catalog getting homes. That, that's weird. But yes, we fell in love in a world where Kira Knightley and Mickey Rourke were both hot. That is, I, I just can't deal with that. It's weird. I have seen Mickey Rourke in person. That's like a celebrity sighting I have. It was while I was going to New Kids on the Block reunion tour. And so I was very distracted. And I was like, that has to be Mickey Rourke or it's someone trying to be Jack Sparrow. It was, yeah. But we were in Nashville. I mean, that's the kind of place people come. Yeah, you, you can just, you can see Mickey Rourke at a bar in Nashville. That's the thing that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were on Broadway and I was like, wait, wait, wait what, what, what? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty, and I'm pretty sure whoever I was with was like, who? And I'm like, Rolling my rolling my eyes at them. I do that a lot, apparently. Sorry. But Edgar Ramirez is the other guy in that. Oh, really? Like yeah. Pedro? No, that's Efren Ramirez. Oh. Edgar Ramirez is the new Bodie in the new Point Break. I think I know who that is in my head, maybe. Okay. There's a so, new- not Patrick Swayze. Obviously, I know. Not Patrick but playing Swayze. But same, playing the same character in right. a movie that is now... It's been seven years since Point Break, the remake, came out that I haven't seen. But it was only 14 years between the original Point Break and the remake of Point Break. That's... So we're halfway between the amount of time. <laughs> I, I'm i really struggling with how old I got. Did we need a new Point Break? I don't think we did. I actually looked up the reviews of the new Point Break, and basically that's the critical consensus is we, in fact, did not. We... Uh, the film actually won two Jackie Chan Awards. What's that mean? There's a lot of, like, kicking and stuff? Yeah, it's the Jackie Chan Film Week of Action Films Festival or whatever. Great. It, it's in Cantonese, so it, it doesn't translate into English all that well. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I think I'm going to close unless you have anything else. No, I think this has been a real mixed bag. <laughs> well, we're going to end on a real mixed bag on the best review I could find, the most positive review I could find of the new Point Break movie. <laughs> On a going deeper on the truth or dare documentary we got from Madonna, break. we're ending on a, the best review of the remake of Point Break. As a real smooth transition, right? Yes. <laughs> Point Break will be remembered as the first film to make audiences pine for the simultaneous presence of Keanu Reeves and Gary Busey. Fair. <laughs> it is fair. I'm sorry. I had nothing to go with, so we just – I just went with it. I think we covered a lot. I had three I, pages of notes, and we managed to go an hour. <laughs> I feel like we talked a lot of interesting things. We'll listen back, and we may say, like, never mind. <laughs> this might be 20 minutes by the time you get to it. We'll see what happens. Who knows? It's a little personal. It's a little sad, a little tragic, a little bit of a Zach and Jenny relationship corner. Hashtag don't be a dick. I feel like that's par for the course of the times. Uh, we're all feeling that. Um, yeah, a little a little sad, a little personal, a little relationship, a little whatever. So, Guys, it's been a weird few weeks. Very. Guys, if you're a lady out there, hang tight. If you're a gun out there, man, free reign. <laughs> if you're a dude out there, do the right thing. If you're a dude out there with your t-shirt tucked in really tight with like kind of like you know, sort of an American flag in the background and then something about freedom, liberty, and protection or something. And you have your little 
kind of gray goatee and your hat that's not one of those veteran hats, but sort of looks like one of the veteran hats. I'm going to interrupt you just say, go fuck yourself. Okay, yeah, yeah. That, that, I, was, I was getting there, babe. I was getting there. <laughs> if you're the person that shows your gun permit when asked for ID at a store. Go fuck yourself. Not to, but just, that's the vibe right now. Like, check in with yourself. If you don't think legislation or the overturning of legislation applies to you, you needed a hard look. Everything affects everyone. Bottom line. <laughs>